Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, family. Good morning in Columbus at Connecting Point. Good morning, Pitnaz here. We are in a series called Light It Up, and we've been celebrating and remembering that Jesus came to light up the path from God to humanity and from humanity to God. And so we're celebrating what Jesus did. And today we're going to be talking about identity and letting God light up our identity and letting God light up our purpose rather than letting other people light up our identity and other people define our purpose. I got to thinking about that. There's really two questions, and I don't know that every one of us has articulated and said these things out loud, but I do think all of us at some point in time have asked the question, at least on a subconscious level, and at least at some point have thought about the answers to this. And here's the two questions I think that most of us, pretty much all of us ask, and here they are. Who am I and what's my purpose? Say that with me. Who am I and what's my purpose? At some point in life, we've all asked that question. Maybe even some of us have wrestled with that question. Who am I? Um, Reminds me of a story that kind of goes along with this. You know, many of us have memories of when we were little, not too many, but we probably, most of us have something. We remember the color of carpet when we were four or five, or we remember maybe something that took place or was said, an event, could have been a crisis, could have been a great thing. We all probably remember something from when we were little. And one of those things for me, when I was about five years old, I jumped off this jungle gym and and it hurt my leg. And my dad had wanted to go up to, we lived uh, outside of Cherokee, Kansas, which isn't that far from here. My dad was in his, I think, middle to late 20s. And he went up to the school to shoot baskets outside. They had a little basketball hoop out there. And while he was there, I I remember this. I don't know why. I remember uh, dad saying, hey, if you want to go play, you can which was my, his way of saying, hey, go on so I can shoot baskets. So I did. I went over to the, to the playground and was playing. And they, you know, when you're a kid, something looks like it's 10 feet high. And for me, it was this jungle gym that was red and you could climb up it. And so I climbed up it. In actuality, it was probably maybe, I don't know, eight to 10 feet high. But when I got on top of it, I remember thinking at five years old, and I'm 42 now, I remember thinking, I'm going to jump off of this sucker. And about that time, I did. I jumped off, and my dad testifies that he turns around, and, and he literally saw me bounce when I hit the ground and, you know, bounced off the ground. And so uh, I guess a week or so went by, and I started complaining about my leg hurting. And my dad recollected what took place, and so he said, it's probably just sore. You know, it'll, it'll eventually go away. I don't know how much time went by because I was young and don't remember all those details. But at some point, my parents took me to the doctor because it wasn't getting any better. They did some x-rays on it and discovered that I had something called leg perthes disease, which is this degenerative thing that takes place to your hip. I wish I could tell you it was like a Bo Jackson injury or something like that where I was running down the football field. But I was five and I jumped off a jungle gym. And whatever happened inside of there started to, uh, I started to lose blood supply. And long story short, it started to basically deteriorate my hip. And they told me, they told my parents, hey, when he gets older, he's going to need hip replacement surgery. So in first and second grade, I was in these casts on and off, just like this, uh, with two bars in between them. It was miserable. I used to stick a hanger down the cast to try to scratch my legs. And remember the last time I uh, had the casts on, they cut them off. My parents went and bought me a bike and 
You know, I went about my life. I played sports. I played basketball. I played football. I played baseball and just kind of went about my life. It was always a little bit of a handicap, but the reality was is I didn't let it define me. Just a few years ago, we were sitting at the Christmas dinner table or somewhere at some time, and my dad said, you know, I never told you this. You know, it's never good when people say, I've never told you this. I'm like, yes. He said, but the doctor told us that when you were young that you should not ever play sports. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, you never mentioned, I said, you never mentioned that to me. He said, yeah. I said, why? He said, I never wanted the doctor to decide who you were going to be. And I never wanted the doctor to decide the purpose in which you were going to go out for and you were going to be a part of. I got to thinking about that. I played ball my whole life. It made me think that when I was five years old or six years old and, and I would ask my dad, you know, I want a baseball glove. I, was, I wasn't a great baseball player, but I was, I was all right. I was pretty good. I wondered how many times he's out there remembering what the doctor said as we would play catch. And then in Little League, you know, I, my kids have heard the story. One game, one time. We know, Dad. One game, one time. I hit two home runs out over the fence in an all-star game. Oh, here comes the story. So we were over in Riverton where I hit those home runs, and my kids, you know, they're like, Dad, you always said that field was big. I'm like, it was in my mind. And you know, as parents sometimes, we don't tell our kids everything because some things they're not ready for and some things they don't need to know, do they? And today, as we're talking about identity, you know, there's a lot of things that people think about us. In fact, there's a lot of things that people believe about us. And what's sad sometimes is when we begin, or you know people who do this, when they begin to believe something that's not true. It's that, you know, that kid that starts to believe they're no good because their parents have said it. It's the player who starts to believe that they can't do something because some coach at some point has put a lid on them and that's all they're going to be. And we probably all know people who on paper look like they can't do this and they can't do that, but because a teacher or a coach or a friend or someone didn't put a lid on them, they're able to do far more than what the math says. And I'm so grateful in my life that there were people around me that didn't put lids on me and what I could do. And scripture tells us that our identity and who we are and what our purpose is in life can't be founded people. It's found in Jesus Christ. Amen. And there was this guy in scripture. His name was John. And John had a nickname. You know, sometimes they'll give you a nickname. John had a nickname. They called him John the Baptist because he baptized people. And John... There was a lot of people that said a lot of things about John. John was the type of person, when you walk in the room, he was kind of weird. In fact, Scripture says that his, you know, his clothes were made out of camel's hair, and his, he had this belt around his waist, this leather belt, and he, you know, he, he liked organic food. He ate wild locusts and honey, and you know, he probably didn't eat a ribeye or something like that. He just ate all this kind of weird stuff. He was the person, when, you know, when he walked in the room, people kind of stared at him. But at the same time that, you know, people had these opinions of him, John's opinion of himself had nothing to do with what he thought or what other people thought. It was all about what God said. 
And I share that today because I can't help but think maybe there's one or two at Connecting Point Columbus today or here at Pitt Naz in Pittsburgh or someone who's watching online today with the weather being bad. You're sitting at home and you're wondering and you're thinking and you're depressed because of the weather or maybe something that's going on in your life. And it's because you have bought in to what someone else says or someone else thinks about you. Or maybe you've bought into what you think about you. We sang a song here in Pittsburgh earlier today that says, I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Not who someone else says that you are. Not what your past says you are, but who you say I am. John, he's living in the wilderness John's got quite the, the story when he was, his mom was pregnant with him, Mary was pregnant with Jesus, and, and the baby inside of her leapt, and John, Scripture says, was filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He's out in the wilderness, and at some point, God speaks to him and says, go. And I want you to not only go, but your job is to prepare the way for other people. We have people in Pittsburgh that are prepared to dump salt on the roads in the next day or two because we know that there's a storm coming. And their whole purpose is to prepare the roads so that people can drive through. And so I share all of that with you because there are times in life where people question who we are and John was at that place. People didn't care what God had said to him. People didn't care what the message was that God was giving him. They just wondered who he was. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 19, people have started to hear that John is baptizing and he's doing all these, these things. And, you know, the Jews, especially the leaders, were thinking, why are you baptizing you know, people? The only time you ba- you know, they're Jewish. Why are you baptizing Jewish people? Um, and begin to question why he was doing this. And he's baptizing Gentiles? He's baptizing Jews? They're Jewish. But John didn't come to baptize them into an earthly family tree. He came to baptize them for the forgiveness of their sins. It was almost like the the people at that day believed that they were right with God because of the the tree, you know, who they were as a race. And so they they look at John because he's doing stuff that you're not supposed to do. And And they the leaders sent these priests and these Levites down and to ask John, who are you? And John knew who he was. He says, listen, I know where you're going with this. I'm not the Messiah. Some of them questioned, maybe he's the Messiah because he's doing these miracles. Maybe he's Elijah. So then they said, well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? No. Well, are you the prophet that we're expecting? John says, no. Then who are you? See, we've got to answer to somebody. Some people sent us to you to find out who you are. So what do you have to say for yourself? Who are you? I had the privilege of growing up in the same school from the time I was in kindergarten through my senior year of high school. But many people don't. 
They say that one of the most stressful days of a person's life is the first day at a new job or the first day at a new school. People are sizing you up. They're asking, who are you? That can be pretty intimidating unless you know who you are. John looks at them and says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm a voice. Okay. I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. In the same way that the city of Pittsburgh has people that will clear the roads and and put salt on them so that people can go through, John the Baptist and we as believers are called to clear the way for Jesus. So there's some things we can learn from this story today. One, John's identity isn't in who people thought he was. Let's finish it together. But in who God and who God said he was. John's identity, Columbus, wasn't in who people thought he was, but in who God said he was. What do people say about you? In fact, many of us, we, we don't like maybe people doing it to us, but we, it happens. And, and whether we like that people do it to us or not, we have a tendency to do it people, to, to people. Like, for example, you're sitting on an airplane. You're waiting for it to take off or you're in the air. And there's that awkward silence between the two of you. If you've got headphones in, then you've got an excuse. Uh, they know that I'm, I'm listening to music so that I don't have to talk to them. But then there's times you're like, okay, I don't have them, you know, or they, they, they don't have them. And so there's this, like, tell me about yourself. And one of the first questions that we all ask is what? What do you do? It's like we connect with, you know, who our identity is by what we do. And the reality is this morning, it's not in what we do. It's not in who people say we are. It's in who God says we are. In other words, knowing whose you are lights up who you are. You guys missed a really good time to say amen. I don't know about you, Columbus. Let's say this together. Knowing whose you are lights up who you are. We've all talked to someone, you know, around the college age or maybe just in general. And you'll say, you know, tell me where you're at in life or whatever. And they'll say, well, I'm just trying to find myself. And we kind of laugh at that, right? Because we all have that time period in our life for however long it lasts where we're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to figure out what's next or who we're going to marry or what we're going to do. It's a natural thing. It's It's an appropriate thing. It's a healthy thing. But all those questions we have, like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go to school? Who am I going to marry? And so on and so forth. If we don't know whose we are, we can tend to make decisions based on what we think we are or who others say we are, and that impacts all those other questions that I just talked about. The number one thing that your kids and your grandkids and you and I And the people around you need to know is that God came into the world and died and raised to life so that we could be his. So that we don't have to be what our past says, 
We don't have to be what our dad says. We don't have to be what someone else thinks about us. We can be who God's called us to be. But in order to do that, we have to know that we are his. Knowing whose you are lights up who you are. It's hard, check this, it's hard to find purpose when you don't know your identity. Well, you know, who I am is, I, I, I want a boyfriend. So whatever you need me to be, whatever you need me to do, whatever, however you want me to dress, however you want me to look, whatever, whatever I need to do, well, I'll just, whatever you want. Because my identity is in what you think about me instead of what God says about me. Well, you know, uh, my wife thinks I need to do this, or my husband thinks I need to do this, or, or my, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to, to get, <clears throat> you know, other people to like me by jumping through the hoops that they have for me. <clears throat> There's a certain part of serving people that's very important. But any time that we have to compromise our identity to please someone else, we have, are deciding that we are no longer God's, and we're deciding that all of a sudden someone else is on the chair of, of our lives. Whose you are lights up who you are. And if you've decided that someone else other than God is who your life is going to be defined by, you're going to be headed down a completely different road than what God had for you and has for you. We also see in this story that John's purpose was to give glory to God, not take glory from God. You want to know one of the most annoying things in the world is if you're on a team of people and you've got an idea and someone else takes credit for it. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're a student and you're, you know, you're working on an assignment together and you know, this kid does this and this one does that and then one of, the, one of the kids just takes credit for all of it. That's frustrating, isn't it? Did you know that the gifts and the abilities that God has given you, he gave you. If you have the gift of leadership, the gift of encouragement, the gift of just patience or the gift of whatever it is. And somewhere along the line, people started to tell you how great you are or you started to tell you how great you are or whatever it might be. And now all of a sudden, all those things that we have, we all of a sudden start to take the glory for that. John starts to minister. He starts to make a difference in people's lives. People start repenting as he would baptize them and tell them about that the kingdom of God is near. God, he started to see results. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit was on him, and he began to work. And it would have been really easy to listen to what people were saying about him. Well, I'm not the Messiah but I'm real close. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'm not the Messiah. My purpose is to prepare the way for the Messiah. What would happen in our lives if the gifts and the ability and the resources that we have, we gave it to the Lord for him to receive glory rather than for ourselves to receive glory? See, I think that preparing the way starts with us getting out of the way.
Preparing the way starts with us getting out of the way. Several years ago when we moved into our house, I don't know if my dad or somebody was helping me carry a couch in, and I think it was my little, it was Grace. She wasn't that old at the time. And she's standing in the doorway to where we're trying to move the couch into. She's innocent. She doesn't know. But as we're trying to move it in the way, she's blocking the way. So I said, honey, can you get out of the way? Cute, little curly-headed kid, little binky in her mouth, holding a blanket, maybe. Sometimes we think it's cute to take credit for the gifts that God's given us. Sometimes we don't think it's that big a deal that, that some of our lifestyle choices really don't point to God. They point somewhere else. We can, we can block the way to God rather than prepare the way to God when we start making life about something else other than him. These Jewish leaders are nervous because they're not sure what's going on and they send these priests and these Levites, as I mentioned earlier, temple assistants, down to talk to John. John says, no, I'm not the Messiah. They say, well, then who are you? If you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet... What right do you have to baptize? You're no one special. In other words, what they're asking is, is who, by whose authority, by whose authority do you have to baptize? By whose authority do you have the right to lead? It's interesting that God calls to John earlier in Scripture while he's in the wilderness. It wasn't when he was around a bunch of people. It was the whispers of God that prepared him. See, I think there are times where if we don't have the wilderness experience, if we don't have that time with God, where he's whispering the truth about us, not just what others say about us. It's really hard to ignore what people think and what people say. Sometimes when we're alone with God, he'll say, they're right. What your teacher said to you was right. You need to humble yourself. But then there are times where we're alone with God and the voice of God will speak to us and he'll say, don't listen to what they have to say. I think that John had settled the question of who he was and what his purpose was long before he got into the situation where he's dealing with the conflict. And these are not just people, they're they're leaders, they're influencers. They're people, you know, that people kind of respect and look up to. And they're asking him, who are you? And by what authority do you have to baptize people? You see, John didn't baptize because he had the approval of man. He baptized because he was simply trying to follow God's plan. Listen, John. 
What the people don't know is they're not ready. They need to repent for their sins. They don't need to be, you know, brought into a denomination or brought into a, uh, you know, the Judaism tree or the Judaism faith. They need to know that whether they're Jew or Gentile, they need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And John's thinking, oh, there's not a lot of people saying that. And you're asking me to be that guy. Yeah, because you know who you are, you know who I am, and you know the purpose that I've called you to. See, doing what God told you to do will not prevent people from doubting and questioning you. Let's read that. Doing what God told you to do will not prevent people from doubting and questioning you. So who are you? You know, if this piece of paper had on it who you are, and then someone else comes up and tries to hand you another piece of paper that has a different name or different word on it, and then you got that one, you got this one, you got that one, and you got this one, who who, who am I? But when you've settled the question as John did in that quiet place with God, not not your parents' faith, not grandma's faith, not your wife's faith, not your kid who comes to church's faith, not whoever, you've, you've gotten that quiet place with God and you know who you are. And when someone else tries to hand you something that says, you're a liar, you're a fraud, you're a nobody, you're an adulterer, you're a cheater, you're a murderer, you're a no one, you have no gifts, no talents, no ability, or the enemy tries to come, which is who normally does it, and whispers those things to you. If you know who you are, you say, nah, this is who I am. Doing what God told you to do is not going to prevent people from doubting and questioning you. Now listen, all of us would get this right on a test, and yet when people doubt us and question us, even when we're doing what God wants us to do, we have a tendency to sit back and be frustrated or or feel bad about ourselves. But John, he says, listen, I baptize with water. I make no apologies for that. But right here in this crowd is someone that you don't recognize. You don't even understand who he is. And I'm here to prepare the way for him. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie his straps of his sandals. People didn't know what to do with that. So the next day, John sees Jesus coming. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he is the one I was talking about. And you have to remember, the Jewish people didn't believe him at the time. A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. 
And John testifies, scripture says, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know who he was. He was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me that the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the holy one who will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And John testifies. John testifies. John prepares the way. John clears the way with these words. I saw this happen to Jesus. And he is the chosen one. That's a great story. Well, what's it mean to us? Are we preparing the way for Jesus' second coming? The way that John the Baptist prepared the way for his first coming? Maybe, let me say it this way. If your life was the only light that illuminated the path to Jesus, would people be able to see the path? That's a tough question. And honestly, it's an ongoing question, isn't it? Sometimes we don't illuminate the path to Jesus because we're stuck on trying to figure out who we are. If you're new this morning in Columbus or here in Pittsburgh, maybe you're not sure who you are. And so it's really hard to illuminate a path that you're not sure of. And I get that. And you need to know today that Jesus died for you. And there's this God-shaped hole in every one of our hearts that money and people and relationships and all the things that the world can buy and all the things that we value in life you know, from a physical perspective or from a materialistic perspective, none of those things can fill that void in our hearts. It's only Jesus. And maybe for some of you, there's this dull ache inside of you because you haven't discovered what it is, but it feels like there's more purpose than, than what, you, what you've experienced. You need to know today that you were born and you were created to be connected to God. And as you connect yourself to God and you begin to walk with him, he begins to give you purpose and value and meaning and direction. But then there's a, maybe a bigger group of us who we know God, we've, we have relationship with him. But it's like when I was a kid and my dad would be working on his truck at dark and there'd be a flashlight and dad'd be like, hold the light so I can see, idiot. Okay, he didn't say idiot, but you know, goofy. And I'd just be ADD, I'd be bored. And so now all of a sudden, you know, he's trying to work on the truck and my light's over here. I'm shining the light. I got the light on. But son, I need to see. And for many of us, we receive Christ and receive salvation and, and, and we have the light of Christ inside of our lives, but we're shining it, but it's like not on God. What path are you and I illuminating? And that's not a question just for today. It's a question that we have to constantly ask ourselves. If I was the only light that illuminated the path to Jesus, could people see the path? 
There's a tendency, if you're a people pleaser, to want to do things that are going to make people like you and accept you. But we need to be reminded today that if we're walking with Jesus, there are going to be times where there's no way that we can say it that's going to make them like it or make it feel like it's okay. There's just times where we have to decide the same way that John did, that we are on God's team and that we're going to be light and we're going to speak truth. Have you ever thought about when you're going to get around to telling your family member about Jesus that you keep meaning to, but you don't? When are you going to, when are you going to say, you know what? Could you not use God's name in vain right in front of me all the time? I can tell you this. If someone was talking about my daughter in vain, I wouldn't let it go. Right? So while we may not totally see the logic behind that, we certainly would see the logic behind you talk about one of my family members and I'm not going to let it go. When's the last time... You gave grace if all you give is truth. And when's the last time you give truth if all you've given is grace? Are you, are you shining the light on the fact that people need relationship with God? Or are you just shining the light? And the light's on so you feel like, yeah, I go to church, my light's on. But the reality is we're not helping the cause. Lord Jesus, today, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. It's a, it's a question, Lord, that we have to ask ourselves all the time. Is there a sin in our life that we need to repent of? And Father, right now in this moment, I pray for all of us, including myself, all of us, if there's something in our life that you are unpleased with, I pray in this moment of silence right now that you would reveal it to us. And Father, today, if there's someone in our life that needs to know the light of Jesus, but the only light we're shining is ourselves, and other things other than you, would you reveal that to us? And Father, this morning, if there's some of us that have forgotten what, what keeps our light lit, would you remind us today how important your word is to lamp, Father, to our feet and a light to our path. Father, if we've neglected time with you, would you illuminate right now 
that we need more time with you. And Father, are there, if there are some of us that we have hurt our brother or sister, Father, would you remind us if we need to make it right? Father, today, if there's someone who's struggling, Lord, with who they are, they keep replaying the voice of someone else or something else in their life. Father, would they start to believe who you say we are? If we are the only light illuminating the path to God, Can people see the path? Let's stand together.